Hey everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Soundcraft Studios and brought to you by our official sponsor, the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Molson's The Amissium, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. We're here with a terrific gentleman who's a 40-year veteran, Emmy-nominated performer, producer, writer, and 2017 Comedy Magician of the Year. He synthesizes his amazing history into showbiz, into a powerful training system called the Wilson Method. What's the Wilson Method? We'll find about that. And of course, this gentleman uh, with a powerful method helps owners, managers, and of course, employees um, communicate a lot better and towards success. And of course, he also appeared in a number of places in um, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, Reno, Lake Tahoe, such wonderful places like Caesar's Palace, Bally's, MGM, Grand, Harrah's, and also um, performed at the Pinata of Doom for 19 or 2017 Ford Escape and uh, for hundreds of corporate clients. He's also a podcast too and how to talk to humans. And of course, you think talking to humans is easy? Well, I think he's got a better alternative. So live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Plus Studios in his wonderful studio, somewhere out there, it could be Vegas, could be Atlantic City, and he does it by magic. The Eminem nominated 40-year veteran, performer, producer, writer, and 2017 Comedy Magician of the Year and the host of the podcast, How to Talk to Humans, the multi-talented, Larry Wilson. Larry, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. It was quite an introduction. And very magical indeed, too. So it's just like, you know, we talked about some things. You know how to make it disappear. And you're Emmy-nominated, 40-year veteran, performer, producer, writer, and um, 2017 Comedy Magician of the Year. And you want to synthesize your history into showbiz, into a powerful method called the Wilson Method. We'll find more about that. You also appeared mm -hmm. in a number of places in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, Reno and also Lake Tahoe as well. You performed the Pinata of Doom for 2017 Ford Escape ad and for hundreds of corporate clients and more. You have a podcast called How to Talk to Humans. Of course, you know, I mean, we know how to talk to humans, but some don't. And we'll give you, we'll talk about the art about that. And before we get into all that, Larry, tell us how you first got started. Well, I have to say, it's very funny when I hear you say, we all know how to talk to humans. It's a funny thing about communication. It's very much like uh, sex. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. But in truth, everybody isn't really good at sex or communication. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like anything else, we can all benefit from a few techniques that we might learn along the way. Mm -hmm. um, how I got started... Uh, strange circumstance i have been you know performing now for like almost 40 years with the biggest stars in entertainment traveling all over the world and i began to notice a certain similarities they had they all had certain communication skills that got them everything they wanted out of life mm -hmm. You would see them in a situation where you think, oh, this isn't going to work. And then they would get just what they wanted. And I realized that somehow they had uh, figured out how to make people want to invest in them uh, professionally, personally. Uh, it was the craziest thing. And so I thought, well, this is like graduate school. I better pay attention. And some of them, I'm telling you, Mike, some of them, did not know what they were doing. They right. were working strictly on instinct. And so those people I would sort of have to model to figure out what was going on. But others were totally conscious. 
And if I said to them, um, you know, and these are some very heavy, heavyweight people. These are like Academy Award-winning actors and hit song makers and people who were as as high as you could go. And I would say to them, I just saw you in that conversation. You did blah, blah, blah. And I thought they were going to shut you down, but they didn't. What did you do? And they'd sort of go, oh, that was simple. And they just totally deconstruct what they did. And here's why I think it's so interesting, Mike. Every single one of these people, with few exceptions, were enormously talented. But none of them relied on talent. And that was an eye-opener for me because I realized, oh, yeah, talent, you never know what's going to go on with that. But technique, that's always accessible. If you practice it, you get better and better. It's always in your hip pocket. And I would see these incredibly talented people using technique so that they knew it was always there when they wanted it. And my first thought was, oh, well, technique is transferable. Mm -hmm. I, I can teach anyone just the way there's somebody out there who can teach you how to hit a golf ball. There's somebody out there who can teach you how to make a pizza from scratch. There's somebody out there who can teach you how to... Uh, quilt a quilt you know all these things that are based on technique there's somebody out there who can teach you hmm. and if they're a good teacher and you practice what they teach you you'll become an expert as simple hmm. as that hmm. that's really interesting you talk about talent and technique and uh what else is there that's um essential when it comes to uh great communication or being like you know very influential. There, there's talent and there's technique. And uh, what else is there? Well, I almost think that's all there is. I think, I mean, there are obviously elements uh, that are all about technique. You know, I do, um, in my Wilson method training, I do uh, one of the things I did that got interrupted by COVID. I did um, a two-day boot camp limited to just 10 students. Mm -hmm. And I call it boot camp because it really is like a boot camp. I make you do stuff. I, I'm talking about it and teaching you, but then I make you get up and do it so that you have the experience of feeling what it feels like. And doing that, there's a, so many different elements. Uh, I frequently um, will, I have certain uh, touchstones in case you get lost. Like mm -hmm. I'll say, remember, three D's. The D's are, are determine, define, and deploy. Hmm. And I say, I want you in every communication to determine what your goal is before you enter into the communication. Hmm. What is it? You're I, mean, it's, I know it's so simple, Mike. It's so ridiculous. But you'd be surprised how few people do this. What do you want? Do you want a date? Do you want a job? Do you want to raise? Do you want a partner? What what exactly is it you're going after? When you do that and you're clear about it, that takes your communication immediately 
up a quantum level. And when people do it, then they're astonished at how much more successful they are in their endeavors. And I'm the one who's always supposed to say, no, it's simple. Anyone can do it. But I learned the hard way over hit and miss over 30 years. I'm just helping you avoid that steep learning curve. I can just tell you right now. Um, it couldn't be any easier. Then I want you to use the second D, which is to define the means of communication. Is it like we're doing here on Zoom? Or are we in the same room face to face? Or are we on the phone? Or is it a text? Or is it a, a, a email? Or is it, God forbid, a old school handwritten? You know, all of these techniques require different approaches. And anybody who thinks there's a one size fits all is in for a rude awakening. You you try to handle a text the way you handle uh, email, you're in for trouble. Mm, yes, and, indeed. And then, of course, the D, the third D is deploy. Deploy the tools that I'm teaching in Wilson Method. Now, for instance, in my boot camp, we'll spend a great deal of time on your voice, on learning to warm your voice up, on learning to use vocal affect so that we can hear color, texture, emotion in your voice. And again, people don't realize how much those skills have been lost with the advent of technology. Yes, that's right. Social media, Instagram, TikTok, and of course, you know, text and everything else. Yes, you it's got like, it. That's been lost over the years. I totally agree with you on that one. I'm, and it's crazy because I think 40 years ago, 50 years ago, a lot of what I teach is probably common knowledge. But once you start communicating almost exclusively by text, you lose all facial affect mm -hmm. because there's no need for it. And there's a lot I talk about in the Wilson method about semiotic communication. That is information that is signaled to another person without speech. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes we think of this as a, People say, oh, you mean like body language? And uh, certainly body language is part of semiotics. But there's so much more. You know, if I held up a, a stop sign and it was red, but it didn't have the word stop on it, you'd still know what the message was. Mm -hmm. Especially in terms of shape. Absolutely. They see that shape. They see that color. The semiotic information, which is stop, and it's urgent stop. It's not stop if you feel like it. That's very powerful. There's so many things that are flying through the air between us all the time, transmitting semiotic information. If we do not identify them, if we do not understand them, then uh, it makes communication a jumble of errors a comedy of errors you know 
I'm always saying in Wilson method that the one thing I want to focus on is clarity. That I want you to communicate in a way that makes you impossible to misunderstand. Hmm. And I know, I know, Mike, you've had this experience dealing with some uh, passive aggressive people where they tell you one thing, but you're left with the feeling they really mean something else. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's like indirect, passive. You're uh -huh. right. It's just like, you know, subtle hints and everything. Oh, my God. I mean, it makes you want to pull your hair out. Um, and, of course, there are techniques to deal with those people to kind of force them into a position where they have to be more clear and more direct. Um, in some cases, they refuse to and will just they'll just hang up on you or they'll ghost you. They'll just disappear because it's too horrible for them. You know, the beauty of being passive aggressive is that we never have to take any responsibility for what we've said. Mm -hmm. If, if, uh, you know, this is very popular, I guess, in uh, politics. Oh, where... it's, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, rampant all over the place, you know, politics, business, even social media and everything else. It's like, you mm. know, or, or if you post on Instagram, TikTok, think you're the best thing, but deep inside, it's like, you know, you're just total opposite. Facebook is like that and right. LinkedIn and, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, what a fantastic thing to be able to say something in such a weaselly way that if somebody calls you on it, you can go, oh, oh no, that's not what I meant. Oh, no, 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 I didn't. Well, I mean, if that's your goal, that you want to be a weasel, then passive aggressive is very good. <laughs> but if if instead... If you are looking to build a business, if you're struggling right now with a business that is a good, viable business, but not making enough money or not reaching enough customers, that's so easy to solve with better advanced communication. Mm -hmm. and, what, and Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. No, 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 go no. ahead. You, well, I'll tell you, as soon as I said it, I realized what made me think of it. I saw an interview last year with uh, Warren Buffett mm -hmm. and he was being interviewed by a young interviewer and the young interviewer said, uh, Mr. Buffett, uh, what could you tell us right now that um, would, uh, you know, help us in our entrepreneurial pursuits? And without missing a beat, Buffett says to him, oh, I can tell you one thing that'll increase your value by at least 50% right now. And I leaned forward, like watching this. I want to know what he had to say. I mean, you got me, Warren. What is it? He says, improve your communication skills, both written and verbal. He said, doesn't matter how brilliant you are if you cannot transmit that brain power. Hmm. And... You know, and I loved uh, Buffett then says, he said, if you can't transmit that brain power, it's like winking at a girl in the dark. Nothing <laughs> happens. I love that. You know, fantastic. And he's, of course, he's right. He's right that I know you've had this experience, Mike. I know you've had this experience seeing someone who is so smart but could not transmit that information.
or, or also some people also try to um, take it to a higher level, like, you know, using bigger words, philosophical words and everything else. What's like, I had a hard time trying to decipher people talking on a much higher plane. There are days it's like, can you talk to us in plain language, please? Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, I'm always suspicious. If someone's trying to explain something to me, and those big words start coming in, and I'm getting lost, an alarm goes off in my head. Because mm -hmm. I've talked with, this just has to do with my life experience dealing with these people I've dealt with. You know, um, what really launched, the real launch point for Wilson Method, I was speaking somewhere, I can't remember where it was, and a man came up out of the audience afterwards, introduced himself. He's Professor Alan Oppenheim, mm -hmm. who was the Ford Professor of Engineering at MIT. Nice. And he comes up to me and he says, you're really good at what you're doing here, but I wanted to ask you, could I hire you to come to MIT to train some of our grad students in advanced communication technique? And I said, sure. So we did, we did a three-day event. And as always, I'm sort of trying to do my best and pass along, essentially what it is, is my life's work. It's everything I've learned. And these MIT people, of course, were geniuses. They were just bad communicators, but they were so smart, they immediately picked up on what I was talking about and were able to implement them. And they had, uh, sometimes uh, I meet resistance when I'm trying to train people. Mm -hmm. And it's a normal, natural human thing. People are defensive. You know, they want to say, hey, I'm not doing so bad. These MIT people weren't like that at all. They were on a mission to make themselves the better they could be. Nice. And they, after I spoke for quite a few hours, didn't matter afterwards. They mobbed me and they had more questions. They're talking about stuff. And I thought it was a fantastic experience. But Professor Oppenheim came up to me afterwards. He said, look, this is what you should be doing with your life. And I looked at him. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah. Because to me, it doesn't seem like what I was talking about was so highfalutin I mean, it seemed like very simple, obvious stuff. And he said, yeah, it is, except that no one knows it anymore. Mm -hmm. And and no one has experience using it anymore. And he said, you know, uh, it, I'll give you another example that people who are listening right now can use right now to huge effect. You may have noticed that I maintain eye contact with the camera. Mm -hmm. Well, you would think, yeah, so what? Well, it's really funny how difficult it is for most people to do that. They can do it a little bit, but then they start to flinch away from the camera. They make these micro avoidance movements. They're raising their chin and they're closing their eyes and they're looking off. They're doing all these things and they're not aware, one, that they're doing them. But if you show them, they aren't aware why they're doing it. Hmm. And 
it's simple. It's because that that lens, that one eye, it's like a cyclopean eye of judgment. Like the CBS logo, yes. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'm not sure if younger people know what we mean, but you're you're 100% you're correct. Well, we can can teach the younger crowd with this, too. So it's like they rely on social media. And for us old timers, it was always the handwritten text, phone calls and everything else. And I can use a landline right now and a typewriter. I could be typing this stuff right now to you. Ding, ding, ding. I'm, I'm telling you, a typewriter is coming back into vogue. Um, but that cyclopean eye is unblinking and it won't look away from you. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't been trained properly, the way I do with Wilson method, you're not aware of how you feel, um, slightly inadequate for the job. And it's unconscious. You just feel like, Oh, who am I to think that? I have something to say or something to share or something to teach when in fact you probably do. But the resistance is you're really trying to escape from the camera when you start leaning back and looking or, or, or like body language, you go like this, you go like this or walk around everything. Or it's like you adjust everything like that. I've seen some people that just, you know, lean back and I just like you try to get them up for too. So, and of course, Absolutely. what's and what are some of the other common mistakes that people use? There's lack of eye contact, there's like poor, poor body language, poor gestures, or even like you know, you know, not able to uh, have the words come out or selective hearing. That's even the worst as well. And what are some of the other blunders that you encounter as well, too, and how to correct them? Right. And I'll give you, I'll give your people right now a simple solution. Obviously, practice is very important. Mm-hmm. But here's a simple thing you can do right now. Print out a photo of someone you like. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a pet. Maybe it's a movie star you think is particularly attractive, whatever it is. And cut out the hole where one of their eyes is and put it over your camera so that your camera lens is looking through that eye hole. Just like this example right here. Here's a picture of Larry. You, <laughs> could, you could cut that eye hole out. Now, I have a tendency sometime, I have a soft spot for Anne Margaret. Really? How so? I, well, I, I worked with Anne Margaret in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, and she could not have been nicer she could not have been more gracious, more down to earth. She just one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And nice. so I'll take one of those pictures of her looking very sultry, maybe looking back over her shoulder at you. And I'll put that over the camera. Well, now I feel like I'm looking directly and talking to someone who I have fond feelings for. Hmm. That's really interesting. And another one, too, it's, um, you know, to get over uh, fear of crowds, fear of public speaking, is you put stuffed animals in front of you. Like, you know, you're 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 talking about, you know, you know, a, a book report or give a report about whatever. You just also lay out some uh, stuffed animals. That's also a good technique. I love that. I love that. It's so easy to do. And of course. It doesn't mean you're stuck doing it the rest of your life. Because the more you do it, it starts to become second nature. Oh, I look into the camera. Mm-hmm. And 
now I'm imagining I'm looking into the camera. But so many of those things, you know, I'll also talk sometimes about the three C's in Wilson Method um, to uh, connect, convey, and create. Mm. I, I want you to be able to, well, I want you to be able to connect with other people before you've said a word hmm. so that you can convey your message and create authentic bonds with them. Hmm. That all of these things are easily done. There's simple ways to do this. But when you do them regularly, the power they have is truly unbelievable. And you see it in the results of what's going on. People who you're having trouble uh, making business dealings with suddenly seem to be more open to what you have to say. Hmm. People, maybe in your family, there's a turmoil and squabbling about suddenly that fighting seems to calm down and it's easier to talk with other people. Um, maybe it has to do with... Um, you have a business of your own, you have employees, and maybe dealing with them is very difficult. You start to use some of these tools. It seems magical, although I assure you it is not magic. Mm -hmm. These are just technique. And, and this is what I learned watching these people. Um, it was quite an extraordinary education watching some of these superstars and you know it seemed like they were just doing it off the cuff but i think it's because they'd been doing it for so many years they didn't think about it mm -hmm. you know just like yeah. second nature to them of course you're talking about things off being magic being magical of course you being a magician yourself we'll talk more about that you'll first you listen to the mike widener show at the mike widener show.com powered by sonic web studios Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention the Mike Wagner Show. Get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Also, time to give an official shout out to our official sponsor, the Mike Widener Show, International Warring author, Mia Molsonzia. If you love fast paced mysteries, you love Missing by Mia Molsonzia, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those you love will be the first to go missing. It's available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molsonzia has got great reviews. And Eve Eleven enjoys by how its celebrities, including Joanna Cassidy, Ford Farley, and Manales. So grab your copy today for Girls Missing by Mia Molsonzia, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com or 40 podcast platforms. Heard in 100 countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, and Apple Music. Subscribe to the Mike Widener Show on YouTube, BitChute, Rumble. Follow the Mike Widener Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn as well. And make sure you take us with you on any mobile device. And for great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com. Check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. T-shirts, pop socket, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies. Makes great gifts 24-7. Go to Amazon.com and check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com slash Mia Molson Zia. 
for great books like Missing, Once and Wrinkles, also t-shirts, pop socket, hoodies, phone cases, and more. Amazon.com slash me and Molson Zia. Check it out today and support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and the MikeWidenerShow.com. Make sure you do so today. We're here with the 40-year veteran and Emmy-nominated performer, magician, producer, and Rye Extraordinaire 2017 Comedy Magician of the Year, Larry Wilson and the Larry Wilson Method here on the Mike Wagner Show. And of course, you know, you, you make a lot of magic with the Larry Wilson Method. You also made some, some magic as well, too. And um, tell us how, how you first got started in the uh, magic business. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a question no one ever asks me. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, you'd think it would be so obvious, but it's a strange, um, it's a strange story. I'll, I'll see if I can tell it as succinctly as possible. I did magic when I was little, as I suspect a lot of young boys do are interested in it. But I didn't really think much of it. It was just some fun thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I got much more interested in filmmaking. Oh, wow. And I went to UC Santa Cruz uh, and got a degree in filmmaking from there. And when I graduated and <clears throat> came home to Los Angeles, everyone had just graduated from filmmaking school. Huh. Um, you couldn't turn around with bumping into someone who just graduated. And I had friends who were very talented filmmakers. And none of us could get jobs. Mm. I mean, we were fighting over jobs that had no pay that you're going to work as some kind of, I don't know. Or like an intern, gaff, PA, yeah. whatever it is, or maybe like, you know, or what was it like an extra or something? And maybe like an extra of like, you know, 5,000 people in a film like Gandhi animal house or right. anything like that. I was thinking more of the word slave is what was coming to mind, but of course you're right. All those opportunities just to be on, and I uh, I managed to get a job on a low-budget film uh, as a sound engineer. Mm. And I did a pretty damn good job, if I do say myself. And uh, after about, <laughs> I don't know, sometime in the first week, one of the other crew members said to me, said, uh, do you have any other clothes? And I said, <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? He goes, We've been wearing the same clothes for five days. I said, no, I haven't. He goes, yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> and I realized, oh, we're working 16 hours a day. These are in the days before cell phones and computers. And so I would go home. I would lay down on the bed, immediately fall asleep. And then the phone would ring in the morning telling me where the next location was. And you just get up and go. And that was it. Oh, wow. And I mean, it was exhausting, but I was excited because I had a job. I was being paid $175 a week, Mike. Mm -hmm. I felt I was on top of the world, $175 a week. <laughs> In the course of this, we were working six days a week, I should point out. On my one day off, I ran into somebody who remembered me and said, oh, do you still do that magic stuff? And I said, oh, no, no, I... Just, you know, it's all filmmaking now, all filmmaking. And they said, oh, that's really exciting. I said, oh, why do you ask? They said, well, my parents are going to have a party. They were going to hire a magician. And uh, I said, oh, well, what what were they going to pay? And he said, I don't know, 800 900 for the evening or something. Nice. And I said, well, now hold on a second. 
<laughs> I could still do that. And they said, oh, oh, well, if you'll do it, yeah, they'll hire you. So I go home and I pull out all my old magic stuff and I, I try to brush myself up and I go and do this party. And the most astonishing thing at this party was that everybody acted like they were so happy to see me. <laughs> and I thought, gosh, this is a great feeling. And I thought, and someone said, oh, could we have one of your business cards? I said, nice. well, you know, I just ran out of my business card, but I'm going to write it on this cocktail napkin for you. So suddenly I, I start doing all these parties. Now we're in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So at one of these parties, there's someone who says, oh, uh, would you like to be on television? Nice. And I said, do I get paid? And he said, yeah, of course you get paid. And he was the talent coordinator. I can't remember for one of those daytime talk shows, Dinah Shore, my Merv Griffin, mm. something like that. I think I, I think it was I think uh, I think it was Merv Griffin somewhere along those lines. He was a huge powerhouse back in the day. I'm trying to remember some of oh the my others, God, yes. Merv Griffin was a number one powerhouse. Oh my God. And and I'll tell you something funny about him in a moment. Uh but I think you're right. I think it was Merv Griffin. So they put me on the show. And, you know, uh, for your younger viewers who may, listeners, may not understand this, uh, things didn't stream then. So you might record something and it might not appear on the air for months, mm -hmm. you know. But the next day I got a phone call from a woman saying, hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, my brother-in-law is the talent coordinator for that show you did yesterday. And I said, oh, oh, Okay. And she said, uh, they just said, you were so nice and you're so professional and you showed up sober and you were on time. <laughs> sober, and, really? <laughs> right. And and at the time, I have to tell you, Mike, it didn't occur to me that you couldn't show up sober. I thought, well, of course I showed up sober. Of course I showed up. Are you kidding me? It's a job. You know. Anyway, she <laughs> said, uh uh, I booked talent for another show, whatever that other daytime shows. She said, would you like to do our show? And I said, do I get paid? She said, of course you get paid. I said, well, then yeah, <laughs> I'd be happy. Nice. Next thing I know, Mike, I'm on all these talk shows. They have me back on repeatedly. Do you remember John Davidson? The and John Davidson show. Yes, I right. remember John Davidson. And there are, t and there are bad days. I get crossed up with a hockey player from the New York Rangers. Yes, John That's Davidson. Right. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> Davidson had a daytime talk show. I think I did 37 appearances. Now, I want to make something very clear because I think it's instructive. I don't think I was that good. I mean, I think I was passable. I think I was okay. But I think two things were going on which is why they kept having me back on. I think one, my communication was very, very clear. Nice. In the routines that I was doing on camera, they were very clear. Okay, it may not have been the world's most earth-shaking magic, but it was clear what I was doing. Then also, I think my communication with the people behind the scenes was equally clear. They want me to show up at this time 
with this length set prepared and uh, whatever you do, do not mention this. And, and I gave them exactly what they said to me. I remember one episode of Davidson. They asked me to do six and a half minutes. So I wow. prepared a six and a half minute bit. I showed up. I'm standing about to go on. There's a, a floor manager there with a headset. He's standing by to count me in. He says, oh, oh, hold on a minute, Larry. Hold on. He says, um, they want they want you to cut to four and a half. Mm. Now, this is just moments before you go on. And I had no idea how I was going to do that. But I thought, I better. And then he goes, stand by. And he goes, stand by. We're just, oh, wait, no. They went five and a half minutes. Three, <laughs> two, one, you're on. Oof. And so I went on, and in my head was a clock running. And I came off right at five and a half minutes. Mm. Because I remember from that point on, they loved me. And it wasn't because I was such a brilliant performer. It was because I was listening to what they said. I wasn't coming back with some argument about, well, I'm much better if I do whatever. No. They had a specific thing they had to take care of, and I was solving their problem. Hmm. That And that's that why... That, that is rather interesting, I have to say. And what was the most challenging situation that you've ever been in, and how did you uh, manage to resolve it? Well, it's a really good question. Uh, the There are quite a few of them. If I had to choose one, one that for some reason tickles me. I joined in the meantime I, here, so... <laughs> Well, I do a lot of corporate work and I have almost from the very beginning mm -hmm. because the corporate people have these meetings. Sometimes they're dry or dull or people are there who don't really want to be there. So they throw someone like me to break the tedium and make it a little bit more fun. And the fact that I'm able to do more than a normal performer the once they talk with me, they realize, oh, I can write material into the show that's specifically about your industry and your company hmm. and make it personalized. And people love that so much because it makes them feel like I'm one of them. Hmm. So I'm doing a lot of corporate stuff. And to this day, that's the majority of my work is corporate. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I thought you're going. I thought I'd have you make the CEO disappear or something. Like, poof. <laughs> well, funny you should say. Uh, I have made CEOs disappear. More popular, I've had CEOs appear out of thin air, hmm. and the audience reaction is off the charts because there's so much semiotic information going on. They're thinking that's our CEO. But I didn't know he knew how to do that. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. Or sometimes I'll make someone change into someone. I'll have a beautiful woman assisting me and she'll change into some special guest speaker they have who they're introducing. Um, 
it's it has a much more profound impact than if it was just a regular show. Hmm. So I'm doing a corporate event, and this is early in my career, in San Francisco, in one of those gigantic convention hotels. And, you know, they have a lot of conventions going on simultaneously. And we're in a huge ballroom, and I've brought in all my people like eight hours in advance. So we're able to walk through and get the lights and the sound set just exactly right and where we're going. The big finale for the show, without giving away anything I'm not supposed to give away, my guy. Mm -hmm. I'm on stage and I'm in a box. And then the box is suddenly uh, knocked open and the sides fall down and Oops. it's empty. And I disappear. And right at that moment, you hear my voice from the back of the room say, here I am. And the audience turns around and there I am riding a six foot tall white rabbit <laughs> that, I, that I ride up to the stage. <laughs> so oh, clever. It's funny. And uh, I don't know if I sent you that photo or not, but I will. So you'll have it. You can use for your own. I, Very I, I, would, I would love to have something like that. Maybe I'll construct a six foot white rabbit from for my kids when I come back. I don't know if they're older, but it's like, you know, they're all so creative. It's like, I think I'll start doing that. I'll build a six foot white rabbit. I'm a, I think I'll take you on that. You can't go wrong. I mean, it's a crowd. Please. There's no one who doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. Well, without giving away too much, Mike, how the trick works is I'm in that box, but obviously I must um surreptitiously escape from the box without the audience noticing and then i have to run around from backstage outside the room and enter from the back of the room hmm. and you know uh it you have to be moving as fast as you can now when i was younger i didn't always uh do things that were as smart as i do them now this is also called learning, you know, mm -hmm. you make a terrible mistake. So I, we had worked it out and I knew I could run that distance really fast and I knew everything would work out just great. When we do the show, I run back, I have, I'm running through the kitchen all the way back out into the lobby area. When I get out in the lobby area, they're like 16 doors to 16 different ballrooms. Wow. And I have no idea which one <laughs> is the one that I'm supposed to be in. And so I just picked one. I looked at one that I thought was the closest, picked it, opened the door, went in, instantly realized I was in the wrong room. <laughs> there, the room was packed. Room was packed. There were no women. It was only men. And they were dressed so beautifully, so elegantly, not like the business people who'd been in the room where I was in. These men were dressed to the nines. And I I ran in the room and said, I'm here, which is kind of my line that I say. And the entire audience turned around and looked at me. There was a beat, and some man shouted, the strippers here. <laughs> that 
was not one of my finest moments. Not oh, one of my too finest funny. moments. <laughs> that and those six foot white rabbits too. <laughs> so after that, I learned that you walk through the exact pathway that you're going to take when you do this effect so that you know where you're going to show up. And if you have to, you may put a colored piece of tape on the door to identify the door you're supposed to go through. Oh, that's yeah. very helpful. And now I'm going to remember that. That is too <laughs> funny. And and of course, you know, speaking of uh, having your escape, you also um, did something special in 2017 with escape, a Ford escape and winning results and more. We'll get to that in just one minute with Larry Wilson. You listen to the Mike Widener show at the Mike Widener show.com powered by Sonic Web Studios and brought to you by our official sponsor, the Mike Widener show, international warring author, me and Moses, the missing. We'll be back with the uh, Emmy nominated uh, amazing magician and the host of the podcast, uh, How to Talk to Humans, Larry Wilson, after this timeout. We're back with the amazing, multi-talented Larry Wilson here on the Mike Widener Show. And 2017 was a magical year for you. Managed to escape. You were in a Ford escape and performed the Pinata of Doom. And uh, tell us more about that. And 2017 <laughs> being um, a, a comedy magician of the year. Very magical <clears throat> year for you. Well, it was quite a year. I, Among other things, I happened to be of the executive director of a nonprofit in Northern Nevada called the Education Renaissance of Nevada Initiative. And our goal is really to bring arts and education to school kids, uh, particularly things that have been cut from school budgets. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have an event uh, that we do every November called Spellbinders, where we bring in uh, top magicians from all over the world. Wow, okay. From China, from France, from Japan, from Germany, from the UK, from Mexico, from uh, Canada, from all over. And they perform for free in public libraries. Nice. Now, we also have a second roster of world champion magicians who perform for free in our performing arts center. Seats about 1,500. Mm -hmm. It's also free, but you must have tickets to get into it. And you get the tickets by going to any library and wow, asking man. for them. Mm -hmm. So it's been enormously successful. Uh, this year will be our ninth edition of it. Um, it's... Um, enormously gratifying to see these people especially because a lot of them have little kids never been in a library before never been in a performing arts center before and they are over the moon the kids are so excited about it. so it's a great great experience and uh you know uh part of this um was a leading directly into your question there you know, um, and, and I'm sorry, I just lost track of, of your question. You asked me. No, no, that's okay. It was just your, a magical year of uh, 2017. Well, we talked about yeah. escape, your Ford sorry. escape, you appeared in the ad, and you performed the pinata well, of doom. It was because of that, because of the nonprofit, that year we did the pinata of doom, uh, which is a routine I have where I'm going to do the world's most dangerous escape. And I've, you know, I asked parents in the audience, 
Have you ever noticed any material that's more indestructible than a pinata? You can hit it with any kind of club or knife. It's impossible to break them open. So my assistants lower a uh, pinata large enough to stick me inside of, and they lift it in the air, and then they start whacking it with uh, hockey sticks and axes <laughs> and things. Nice. Finally, they break it open, and candy and things shoot out of it, but I've disappeared. Mm-hmm. And this is another example where I appear at the back of the room riding the six-foot rabbit. <laughs> uh, the pinata of doom. So people from Jimmy Kimmel's show heard about it and reached out to me and said, it, it, it's always so funny dealing with people who are in film or TV versus live theater because they said, can you do this live? I said, well, of course, that's, I'm in a theater. I do. They go, no, no, but really live. I said, yes, there's no editing or CGI when you're in a theater. It's live. It has to be live. They said, okay, uh, Ford Motor Company wants us to promote the new uh, Ford Escape. And we thought mm -hmm. this would be really funny if you seem to be confused thinking they mean an escape trick when they really mean the car. And I said, oh, great. So, you know, there's a character on that show named Guillermo who's sort of uh, like uh, Jimmy's sidekick and winds up having to do all kinds of terrible things. For him. <laughs> so the way they reworked it is I was going to put Guillermo inside the pinata of doom. And uh, then he would disappear and he would reappear driving the Ford Escape, which sounds great, except in TV, people start asking for impossible things. About a week before they said, could we do this out on Hollywood Boulevard on the street? And one of the things you learn in show business, Mike, the answer is always yes. We'll figure out later how to do it. But right. That's a mentality. I know how it goes. I've been there. Yeah. So yes. And then figure it out later. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I have no idea how we're going to do this, but the answer is, oh yeah, of course, of course. we mm -hmm. Right. And of course that's, we start to uh, brainstorm and just about everything. And of course, you know, <laughs> you, you make magic out of it literally. So, yeah. well, that, so I said, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to build a, essentially a, a jewel box theater on the Hollywood Boulevard with a backstage and sidewalls, and you're going to have to control the sight lines. You can't have people above us on the balconies. You have to clear those off, and we're going to have to mark out this distance to run. And it's funny. I mean, it's, it's an exciting thing. The thing that is very exciting about film and television, when they decide they want to do something, money is no object. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was like it was like a military operation. It must have they must have brought in a hundred people. I saw them set up this thing. It was incredible. I brought in my own guy, uh, because I uh, just had to be had to have my safety net. A guy named Ray Pierce, um, who's like one of the top riggers and guys involved in flying stuff. And I said, Ray, we have to set this up. 
so that they can hoist this pinata up in the air safely and Guillermo can vanish from it. And Ray, who has a vast background in magic, was way ahead of me. He said, oh, I get it, I get it. And uh, he said, how much do they have on the budget? I said, you tell me how much you need and we'll get it. So we did. So the only problem with something like this is they're doing it live mm -hmm. on Hollywood Boulevard. So there's no chance for a second take or editing or anything like that. So we had to rehearse the fare thee well out of it so that every single one of my people knew exactly what they were doing. And they did. They performed like champions. It, I think it got 750,000 views within the first couple of days. Wow. And, uh, you know, of course, to be able to work with Ford uh, is a great honor. To be able to work with Jimmy Kimmel, fantastic honor. Um, that's a, That really is the sort of thing that I most enjoy doing these days. And, and that's a good example of one where we clearly customize the whole routine. I had to take Guillermo, who I have to tell you, I have to make sure I mention this. He was the nicest, most down-to-earth, funny, charming. He, he was like Cary Grant, that Guillermo. I know on the show he plays sort of more of a bumpkin, mm -hmm. but he's, that's a character he's playing. He was a delight to be with. And and I'll tell you this too, really good actors like that, they learn magic effects so fast because a lot of what they do frequently is learning to do something they've never done. I was at Sean Penn's house one afternoon, mm -hmm. some barbecue or something, and there are a couple friends over and this is when he lived up in Malibu Hills and there was a gigantic canyon behind his house. One of his guests was some top tennis pro, or not, to, sorry, golf pro. Hmm. And he said, could I hit some balls into the canyon? And Sean said, yeah, sure. So the guy had his clubs and stuff. And the guy hit a couple of amazing shots into the canyon. And Sean said, oh, could I take a couple swings? The guy said, oh, yeah, sure. Sean tees up a ball and hits the most incredible shot. And his guest looked at him and said, I didn't know you played golf. And Sean said, oh, yeah, yeah. In high school, I was on a golf team. We won a state championship and stuff. And everyone turned and looked at him. And then Sean started laughing and said, no, I've never held a golf club in my life. <laughs> but what he had was that actor's skill of being able to observe something and then mimic it with tremendous confidence. Wow. God, I've seen this again and again and again. Um, Guillermo did this complicated escape trick we did. He rehearsed with us for a full day. But he did it like, oh, I've been doing this all my life. He, he was fantastic. That's got to be that's got to be fantastic, and that's very important. I learned a lot from you, Larry. And uh, where can we find all your work set, and where can we find your podcast at, Larry? Well, um, 
can always find information about Wilson Method at thewilsonmethod.com. But uh, you know what, Mike? Let me do something for your people because you have kind of a special group here, I think, mm -hmm. the people. You're international, aren't you? Yes, we are. And uh, as you could tell, I've um, I've won some awards. If you uh, look at my uh, website and everything, and um, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm about to pull up my trusty pillow as well, too. And, um, you know, Global 50 Best Radio Shows of 2020 and um, New York Weekly Times, LA Weekly Times. And um, I'm always relying on my pillow right here, too. So that's my number one seller. My number one two seller, by the way, is the tote bags and um, the T-shirts and also the uh, hoodies as well, too. So and that's something I'm international, to, too. Yeah. And then um, I have to say the book you held up, Killer, looked particularly interesting. Yes, I it did. I mean, and, of course, and of course, it goes missing, too, at times. It is a bestseller. So, <laughs> well, I have to pick it up because it really was uh, spoke to me. Um but what I was thinking is because you have this kind of far-reaching group, I'm going to do something uh, special for your people. If they go to thewilsonmethod.com slash Mike, M-I-K-E, mm -hmm. I'm going to have some amazing things for them there that won't be for other people. Um, I'm just about to roll out a introduction to Wilson Method training as an online program. And if they go to the wilsonmethod.com slash Mike, uh, there'll be a, uh, I, I want to say coupon, but it may just be a button. Um, uh, we'll discount it 50% there. Um, and, you know, all it is really is rewarding people who take action indeed that's that's all it is um so much in life i have learned was just showing up mm -hmm. yes it you know? is and right it's not that hard to do um people of course who are interested more in securing my services as a magician can always go to larrywilsonmagic.com Mm -hmm. And you can see a bunch of stuff there. And uh, those of you on LinkedIn, I think I'm sort of jammed together as a hybrid of both parts of me. Okay. Um, but uh, I will say this. If your people reach out to me, this is the only caveat. Uh, I want them to say that they saw me on your show or heard me on your show. If they tell me that, any question they have about communication about Wilson method, anything like that, I will personally respond to okay. because I see them all. I read them all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I get people who are saying the weirdest things. And it's very clear that they haven't heard me on a podcast. I don't know what they think I am. I don't know if they think I'm part of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> or something, but someone who listened to this, um, if this resonated with you, then you're my kind of person. So I want to do that as something special. And you're my kind of guy, Larry. And you make things out of magic. You definitely showed up. You are number one in my book, Larry. So I got to say this. <laughs> We're here with the multi-talented Larry Wilson of the uh, How to Talk to Humans podcast and Mike Wagner show. Great job talking, by the way, you know, talking to us humans as well, too, and uh, clearing up things. And um, just a couple of things. Who do you consider biggest influence in a career? Biggest influence in the career? 
there's so many of them. Um, I would say uh, I'm trying not to be uh, controversial, um, but I would say <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a guy who had a TV show named Soupy Sales. Soupy Sales, I remember him. We saw him oh. at, um, oh my gosh, was it Knott's Berry Farm, Disney World, where it was back in 78. What a guy. Oh my gosh. And Soupy had a very profound effect. He obviously squeaky clean. Mm -hmm. It never occurred to me when I was a grown man and working in clubs and I would hear people use uh, inappropriate language. I was shocked more than anyone because I just thought you can't do that on stage. Well, apparently I was wrong. Apparently you can do it. But I grew up watching these guys who were so funny without resorting to any cursing. And it was all super clever. It was clever wordplay. It was clever communication. And uh, it was just indelibly etched in me. So that he may be, <laughs> Soupy may be one of the major influences. Oh, uh, and certainly one of the best of this day. And what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point, Larry? Well, um, it may sound a little syrupy sweet. Or soupy, or sales. Or, or soupy, yes. <laughs> but, but I'll say this, and this is really the truth, Mike. I, from the vantage point of having seen a lot of different performers over my life and a lot of different speakers over my life, what we're really trying to do is connect with people in an authentic way. Mm -hmm. I know there's trainers who want to treat, teach you tricks or hacks or gimmicks. Maybe that works. I don't know. I've never seen it be successful. Mm -hmm. I've only seen it look corny and artificial. If you learn to connect authentically with an audience, this is why I say in the three C's, connect before you've said a word. Come out, your body posture, your face, your eyes, manifest an openness and willing to connect. I've seen those performers capture the hearts of strangers and make them into lifelong friends. And it doesn't matter. You know, you can say, well, you know, if you were Elvis, you could do that. Yeah, he had something special going on. Mm -hmm. But there are plenty of other singers at that time. Some of them had great music, great songs. They didn't become Elvis. Elvis is a really good example because I saw him in one of his last performances. I didn't even really know him or care for him. I was dragged along. And when I saw him the second he hit the stage, I thought, oh, I get it. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking for. And ultimately, I think that's the purpose of this whole life is to feel the connection with other people, 
when we feel separate from them, I think that's where a lot of our pain and suffering comes from. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And um, that's very important as well, too. And remember as well, that's very good advice. Once again, with the multi-talented Emmy-nominated performer, producer, magician, and comedian, and the host of the podcast, How to Talk to Humans, Larry Wilson, here on the Mike Wagner Show. Larry, very big thank you for your time. You have been absolutely amazing. Learned a lot from you. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love you have it back. Maybe a little magic trick or two. And um, once again, what's your website? How do people contact you? And where can people purchase or check out your works or check out your podcast? Well, thanks very much. They they can always hit the podcast, How to Talk to Humans, available wherever podcasts are harvested. And they can always reach me through thewilsonmethod.com. But if you're listening to this podcast, do yourself a favor and go to thewilsonmethod.com slash Mike. We will certainly do that. Once again, Larry, big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely amazing. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Live back, back, back. Wish you all best. And Larry, you definitely have a great future. Have you very magical. Thank you, Mike. Thank you.